the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Today on Exploring the Word, we're going to be uh, introduced to some more individuals who God is working in, and miraculously, uh, it shows him while he's working on these people, he's working on some others to bring them together to teach both of them something of significance. This is Bert Harper and Alex McFarland, and it's our joy to be with you Monday through Friday at this time, 3 o'clock Central Time, but where Alex is, most of the time, it's 4 but where he is today, I think it's 2 o'clock, isn't it, Alex? Well, you're great, Bert. You know my time zones uh, as well as I do. Yeah, I'm in uh, Colorado, and when we finish the program today, I'm driving straight to the airport to go back to North Carolina. But uh, And then we're going to do a youth camp, then we're going to go to the Cove. But, hey, by the uh, the miracle of modern technology, I carry around a briefcase with a microphone and a lot of <laughs> Cables and wire, but uh, it's good to be with you on Exploring the Word every day, no matter where I happen to be in the Western Hemisphere. It is. For those of us that are my age, where in the world is Waldo? Here at AFR is where in the world is Alex, and uh, we love to hear where he is. And Alex, we hear it all the time. I heard it today from someone, how much they enjoy Exploring the Word and yeah. Alex McFarland. So, uh, Alex, it's a joy that you can travel that way and Keep up your ministry as an evangelist, but also have this daily radio program live. It, it's a joy. So anyway, we say thank you. You know, people want to say, is modern technology good or bad? And we say, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you got the good, like AI. Somebody was asking about AI the other day, and it was amazing what they were doing it. They was taking pastor sermon and breaking it down and then sending it out and doing all of that. But at the same time, ooh, man. So anyway, that's the way it is with whatever man touches. It seems like it has its good points, some of it, and have its difficult points. But here in the book of Acts, we know the gospel. Listen, it is spreading. It is sharing with others. And today, Alex, in chapter 9, we have the apostle Saul, uh, Paul, who uh, was Saul. He's right. been saved. He's preached to the people in Damascus. And he makes his way to Jerusalem, and there's a little bit of anxiety there, isn't there? Well, well, that's true. And, you know, yesterday, um, the Damascus Road conversion, then he went to the house of, of uh, Ananias, which means God is gracious, and indeed God's grace does uh, touch all of our lives if we'll open up to Jesus. Well, Saul experienced the grace of God. He was saved. The scales fell from his eyes, and... I believe the greatest evangelist in church history was was birthed, and that's Paul the Apostle. But, you know, Bert, um, it's interesting. You know, he goes to the synagogues right away and begins to preach Christ. Uh, some people are may, amazed. Some people are enraged. But here's the thing. Um, they plotted how to kill him. The Jewish leaders yeah. did. Verse 24 of Acts 9, but their laying await was known of Saul. Somehow God made him aware of it, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Okay, so the, the, the guards are at the gate, and he's not going to escape. We're going to get him. But the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Now, doesn't that remind you of uh, 
some Old Testament, I think the book of Joshua, we read about um, people being delivered from the city in a basket. Um, but Saul was come to Jerusalem, and he got with the disciples, verse 26, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Now, Bert, in a way, that's understandable, isn't it? A little bit, that they're, they're afraid of this guy. Here is the archenemy killing Christians, and now he's one of us. I guess they, they needed a, a little convincing, didn't they? I believe they did. And it, the Bible says, try the spirits to see what they are. So they were waiting on this, but there was one courageous brother that is an amazing man. He is one of those men that just, we owe a lot to Barnabas. Just let, yes. let us lay it aside. That man, yeah, Paul did what he did, but Barnabas was a man that God used to prepare him, get him in a position to where uh, he could be used of God. Verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Now, just I've got that highlighted and underlined in my Bible. Uh, be ready to be a brother like Barnabas. Now, you know, don't call, throw caution to the wind, but be ready. And here he was. He was ready. And I think this is true. Barnabas considered himself expendable. And he did not consider the apostles expendable at this time. In other words, if Paul, if Saul was one of those guys that was tricking everyone uh, and he was trying to get to the apostles, uh, Barnabas going to him first considered himself expendable to find out what it really was going on. And when he did, he brought him to the apostles. Alex, and what an introduction. I, I, that must have been some kind of introduction, brother. Well, I love this. Uh, Barnabas, in verse 27, declared unto them how, well, uh, he endorsed Saul, and Saul declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and spoken unto him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was going with them, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. But the endorsement of Barnabas, I mean, that really, I think it, it did so much to put the hearts at ease of the other disciples. There's an old saying, consistency validates authenticity. Yeah. Consistency validates authenticity. And certainly everybody would know that Paul was authentic. But there at the very first, I mean, I think they were a little bit uneasy. But uh, verse 29, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Which, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Isn't that something? Uh, doesn't it seem like, uh, in some way, many of the great Christian leaders in history had some ongoing connection with their home base or hometown? And Saul of Tarsus, he, he might have left there an enemy of, of truth and the gospel, but he comes back to Tarsus a believer. Amen. Now, Alex, you can't see this. Look at, listen to these verses. Verse 23, the Jews plotted to kill him. Verse 29, but they attempted to kill him. The Grecian. Yes. Now, listen, here he is. How long has he been a Christian? Well, weeks, you know, and uh, he's already had two attempts on his life. And, uh, and where, what had he, how had we been introduced to him? when Stephen was losing his life as a follower of Jesus Christ, and now the attempts are made on that person's life, Saul. And, and so this is just who he is. And 
it makes me think also Jesus. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Herod tried to put an end to him. But I just want to tell you, I, I believe it with all my heart that God's timing and protection are real. Uh, you know, it was made known that they were trying to kill him there in Damascus. He got out. Here it is made known, and he is taken out. So God, I think we can have confidence in God. It doesn't mean we should be foolhardy, but we should not live in, in fear, Alex. Here is Paul doing the will of God, and we see his deliverance two times right here early, don't we? Well, we really do. And, and you know, all of the obedience and the faithfulness and commitment of the disciples, it yields fruit. Um, verse 31, all the churches... Uh, and the rest throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and they were multiplied. So this is bearing fruit. Now, verse 32, there's kind of a, a change. It's almost like all the goings-on in the life of Paul, hold that thought, and the the focus shifts back to Peter for a little bit. It does. Don't you? I'm just interrupting a second. Don't you like the word? It's night came to pass. In <laughs> other words, it's meanwhile. Again, I know I've said this. Meanwhile, while this was going on, let's cover what was going on over here. So you have uh, Luke kind of be a roving reporter. Uh, again, he's, he's yeah. reporting after it's happened. But it, I love his movement. And so, yes. yes, and he goes to Peter, doesn't he? Well, it does. And, you know, let me just say this. You know, here's a scenario, and this goes on. Now, meanwhile, back with Peter, this is written as with the same structure that any of the world's greatest literature would would write. Now, of course, we know this is God's Word, and it's the great writers of history following the way God tells the story rather than God following, you know, human writers. But, I mean, this is, besides being the Word of God, this is, this is great writing. It just really is. It is. And it came to pass, as Peter passed through all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And he found there a certain man named Aeneas. And by the way, that, that name means praiseworthy. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, A-E-N-E-A-S, Aeneas, Aeneas, which has kept, had kept his bed eight years, sick of the palsy. So here's, here's a man who's, who's bedridden for eight years. Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And the man rose up immediately, and all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Hey, you know, uh, the man's name means praiseworthy, and praise God, his healing is going to result in, as it indicates, the whole region turns to the Lord. That's worth praising God over. They are. We, they are. And we're talking about a man paralyzed, eight years bedridden. Now, again, it makes me think, again, a good bit of the Gospel of Luke, when Luke would give uh, the number of years or different things that people had been sick and here he does. It's it's validating this. It's giving credence to it. It's not just a, a hearsay story. It is a story that is true, that is validated, and given the facts of it. And a, immediately, uh, the healing takes place. There's that word. Then he rose immediately. God does some things immediately. 
sometimes God does it gradually. And those things that he does gradually, don't give up on God. You know, those things that he does immediately, praise God, but don't live your life thinking, okay, man, I got it made. It's going to be easy. No, life is full of ups and downs, hooks and crooks. And But notice this, they turned to the Lord. Alex, what a great, and this is uh, I think this is setting the table for what's going to happen in cha- the rest of chapter uh, 9, especially chapter 10. But let's read verse 36 real quickly before we go to break and introduce someone else that we hear a great testimony about. At Joppa, there was mm-hmm. a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. It means gazelle. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Now, it introduces this woman who is full. I love, they've been talking about Paul, talking about Peter, but now they're talking about Tabitha or Dorcas. Uh, I love how Luke is bringing this to our information that God uses these women in a great way. And we're going to come back and see what God does in her life. You know what happens? Uh, what happens when an undeniable work of the Lord takes place and God is glorified and lives are changed? Well, uh, in verse forty-three of Acts nine, it says, uh, "Many believed in the Lord." Uh, welcome back to exploring the Word, and that's it happened then. It can happen now. It does happen now that God works in the lives of people and quote many believe in the Lord. Well, Alex and Bert are here, and we're so honored that you're listening. Uh, Bert, here's another thing, and I've, I've got to say, the, the name Tabitha, which is also interpreted as Dorcas, she was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did, but she she gets sick and she died, and they prepare her body for burial, and I guess it's almost like a, a wake or a visitation, but she's in a room in an upper chamber, and she's, she's dead. But here's the thing in verse 38. For as much as Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring that he would not delay to come to them. Now, Bert, you read verse 38. I mean, they rushed. Hurry, get Peter. Peter is that man full of the Holy Spirit of God. And this lady is dead, but go get the preacher. And Peter comes in verse 39. Well, they're, they're about to witness something very special, aren't they? They really are. And notice what, Peter, you'll find this. Uh, Peter's going to arise another time later. And, and again, God is bringing this guy along. He brought Saul along. Uh, you know, here he is. He learned. He got right on the Damascus road. Uh, he went into Damascus, and he's baptized. His eyes fell. He started preaching, made his way to Jerusalem. Then he had God was bringing him along in his time. Well, you know, Peter's been in Jerusalem all this time, surrounded by Jewish people, and mostly those that would be in Judea. And he is gradually leaving Jerusalem, going into Lydda, and now he's going into Joppa, but God's not through yet. And so here it is, Peter arose and went with him when he had come they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics, garments, which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them out all, knelt down and prayed. 
And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Wow, this is amazing. Again, this doesn't happen every time. Uh, This is not in every chapter. This is one of those that Luke said, we've got to, to have this. The Holy Spirit led me to share this, and it's the power again of, of God. Now, notice what this is, Alex. This is new territory uh, for the apostle. Uh, he's been in Jerusalem. He's come into this area, and he sees good works taking place. But again, one was paralyzed, and now this one that is dead uh, is risen. So, Alex, again, the power of God being demonstrated, and what did you say? And many believed. Yeah. That is the whole idea. They see the power of God not only to to heal people but to save lives and change lives, and Peter's right there on the forefront, and Paul is has been doing that, and, and this is what God is doing, and this is what Luke is sharing. If you remember what I said, in my opinion, one of the themes of the book of Acts is the power of the gospel over all barriers, Amen. and here it is, the power of God being demonstrated so that the gospel can be shared and believed, brother. This is great, great information that Luke shares with us. Bert, i got to ask you something. And in verse 39 of Acts 9, there's something just, I think it's very touching, really, and the the humanness of of the people depicted here in the gospel. Bert, whenever you've been doing a, a funeral for a family, have you ever gone to the home of the bereaved, and maybe they'll say, oh, you know, we can't believe he's gone. Look, here, here's a picture when he was in the service, and look over here. That was his favorite chair. And, you know, people um, that are, you know, bereaved, they'll share things that remind them of the deceased. And in verse 39, Peter comes in, and everybody's weeping. And, they, and you know, she was a, a person who did good deeds, Tabitha slash Dorcas. And it says, and they showed him the coats and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Bert, I've, as a pastor, played out that scenario with people. Haven't you, when you go to a house where somebody's died, look, here's this belonged to them, we miss them so. There's just something very touching and very well, you see the humanity in this this circumstance, don't you? You really do. And, and a lot of times these days, it's pictures that they have. They'll even come to the funeral home. Even yesterday, I did a funeral, and there was a series of pictures that was being shown there as you would walk into the to the area, and you would see different areas of their life, what they had done, where they had gone. And, and it's that important. It's It shows you the importance of life. And uh, so here is Tabitha, who had used her abilities and her time wisely, Alex. And yes. what was it? It Really, when you see these, these were blessings to other people. She had been a seamstress that could really do great work. I, and I, I just want to make everybody out there, I know people that bake uh, cakes and uh, cookies, and and they share them with others at different times. I know different people that are photographers, and they'll say, "Man, we want to uh, come to church and help you and take pictures during vacation Bible school, so we can have a picture of all the things that are going on." So God is able to use Dorcas Tabitha in such a manner, 
and these people recognize that, Alex, and it's that's I, I think that's good for us to recognize what God's work is done in other people. Well, amen, amen. Well, Peter, as as you read and we talked through, raises her from the dead, and it's an undeniable miracle, and people believe. Now, chapter 10 begins, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, and he, he's a convert. Uh, he's, verse 2, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he, in a vision in the ninth hour, he sees this angel of God coming to him, saying unto him, Cornelius, and he looked, he was afraid. He says, what is it, Lord? And the angel in this vision says, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now, now here's the thing, that um, he was part of a cohort. The word, is, the word translated band, it's a cohort, and it's a division I read of about 600 soldiers. So this was a man of, of significance and influence. Yeah. It was a regiment. Uh, so yes. In some of the translations, it will say regiment. It's bigger than just 100. It is, and he's a very important person, devout man. And when you see the word feared God, reverse that and say God-fearer. In other words, this yes. is someone that was a Gentile, but they saw the Jewish uh, religion. They knew that there was one God. They believed there was one God, but they had not become a proselyte. They had not come into quote the Jewish faith, and and so he was a God fearer. He God had done this. So while he's come this far, in a moment we're going to find out that God's going to be, work with Peter. But this is a good man, and yes. and God recognizes it. God looks to and fro through all the earth to whom He may make Himself known. Alex, yes. and and listen, I, I this is why I love these chapters. All of these chapters that we're going through now, we're finding people like the Ethiopian eunuch here, Cornelius, that that God's brought them light. They've responded to that light, and what does God do? Give them more light. And Amen. I said, this is not just something that's an anomaly. This is a pattern that you see that God brings light to those who respond to the light that's been given to them. And here's exactly. another one. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and and by the way, um, the book of Acts, like the Gospel of Luke, is written by Luke the physician, and, and there's so many details. A certain man, a certain city, a certain place. I mean, th- very specific. And again, incredibly just ideal writing structure. Okay, Cornelius gets this vision. Hey, go get Peter. And it's interesting. He's by the seaside at the house of Simon the Tanner. That's somebody that works with leather. And they're going to go get Simon Peter. All right. So uh, Peter, meanwhile, is having a vision the next day. And Peter has this vision about what God has declared clean, is not unclean. And while Peter is thinking about what the vision he has seen, the men sent by Cornelius come to Simon Peter's house and stand before the gate. And they, verse 18, you get the impression they kind of knock on the gate and they inquire, are we at the right house? Does <laughs> does one Simon, surnamed Peter, does he lodge here? Uh, Bert, great details, absolutely historically accurate, and it's just, laid out in such a 
a wonderful yeah. structure. It is. Now, Alex, got to see this. Look back, if you would, in chapter 9. Uh, Paul, Saul, has been saved. And notice what he tells him in 9.6. He said, rise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Okay? Now look, if you would, at verse 6. He is what, what God makes known unto Simon, uh, uh, unto Cornelius. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you what you must do. Isn't that beautiful? Here it is, these two men, Cornelius, a centurion, Saul, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, and God is working in their lives, but God is preparing someone else to tell them what they need to do. Uh, I I just get excited about this. I think my voice sometimes gives that too much excitement on the radio, but the excitement of here, of knowing that God is working there's people out there right now who are listening to this radio broadcast. God's been working in their life. And now here comes Alex and Bert, and we're sharing with them on the radio what God says you need to do. You need to trust him. You need to turn away from your sin and turn to him and believe him. This is the evidence. This is the way it was done in the early church, and Alex still being done that way today. Amen. That, that's true. You can believe God, and if God is stirring in your heart and you feel that, that still, small voice saying, come and make sure that you've got Jesus, make sure that you're ready for heaven and that you're saved, Amen. Maybe, maybe this show today is God's way of speaking to you. Hey, by the way, we do partner with the ministry. If you need prayer, if you need to talk to somebody, is it 888-NEED-HIM? That's it, Alex. 888-NEED-HIM. There's somebody there ready to talk with you, help you, and pray with you. What a partner that is that we have. So verse 19, Peter is thinking about this vision that, that he's had, and men come and say, hey, Peter, uh, three men uh, seek you. Well, the Holy Spirit said that to him, really. But the Lord leads Peter, says, rise, get, go down there and talk to them, and don't worry, don't doubt, for I have sent them. But you get the impression, because of the Jewish, Greek, and Roman persecutions, uh, even, you know, God's best leaders, they're apprehensive. They're, you know, uh, go down there, there's three men, I love verse 20, doubting nothing, for I've sent them. So Peter goes down and lets them in, they're from Cornelius, and Peter says, behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? Uh, in, in other words, uh, you're looking for Peter? Well, that's me. Um, <laughs> you found him. <laughs> what, what may I do for you? Yeah. I mean, that, this is what's great dialogue, isn't it? It really is. And he tells his story, and it's going to be told again. It's an amazing story here. But uh, you got to go back, and God, he says, I've never eaten anything unclean or common. And God lets him know there's nothing common about me, about my creation. And uh, now he's talking about food. But it's not really talking about food, Alex. It's really talking about people because God is getting him ready not to eat something. Now, that's all right, and I know that's in there. But what God is working on, Peter, is getting him for ready to talk to a Gentile and fellowship with them. And, Alex, uh, God's methods work if we had just open our heart. And I'll agree with you. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, verse 22, a just man who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, 
was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. The following day, they entered Caesarea. Now, again, this is Peter leaving his territory of Galilee. It's a little bit further over that way, but it's still in that area. But he had been in Jerusalem for quite a while since uh, early on of the church. The following day, they went to Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. I Mm. just, listen, he knew he was going to hear something from God. So what did he do? He got as many people as he was connected with and saying, you got to come. We got somebody coming, and I want you to hear what he has to say. Amen. (laughs) This is uh, exciting times, isn't it? Well, it is, and you know, we've, in all of our conferences and everything, uh, whenever we've done them in North Carolina, and we've been privileged to have, you know, Chuck Colson and Erwin Lutzer and Josh McDowell and a few people over to the house before, and uh, you can believe whenever we've been privileged to have great Christian leaders, we invite a few people, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Cornelius says to his kinsmen and friends, hey, Listen to this. You want to, Peter, the apostle, he's coming to my house. But here's the thing Cornelius meets him, falls down, and worships. And Peter says, Stand up. I myself also am a man. And he talked with him and went in and found that many were come together. In other words, it's like, Look, don't, don't bow down before me. I'm just a minister of the gospel. Uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. We, we still say that to this day. Amen. We we're not worthy. That's what he's saying. But I want to tell you about the one who is Jesus Christ. We want that Bible question, that number, Cornelius, we were just talking about you. <laughs> uh, listen, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's good. Um, I have one comment, and then I'll go with my question for y'all. Um, I hope people um, at Brett Bear on special report at 5 o'clock, they're going to air that uh, whistleblower on the IRS. So I hope people will watch that because 
people need to know the truth about the Bidens and stuff. Now, my question for you, being Cornelius, I told you, call screener, that when you read the Bible about there's a centurion that had a sick servant, and he asked the Lord to heal him, but he just said, you know, my word will be sufficient. In other words, he didn't want Jesus to come up under his house because he felt sinful and stuff like that, but he loved the Jews. He let them build synagogues and all like that. So is, is this the same Roman centurion? That's my question for you. God bless y'all both and pray for the country. Okay, Cornelius, thank you for your call. This makes my day talking to Cornelius. It, it, uh, there, I don't think it can be the same centurion, different one. Yeah. Uh, this one is a different a regiment, like we said, the Italian regiment. He is identified as a different uh, centurion, uh, uh, as far as I could tell, Alex. Yeah, um, this is one of those examples. And there are a few examples of uh, people in the Bible, uh, multiple people with the same name, Simon Peter, Simon the Tanner. Uh, there are more than one Judas, but there's Judas Iscariot. And Bert, uh, from everything that I've read, uh, the centurion that Jesus interacted with was a different individual than the centurion here in Acts yeah. chapter 10. Yeah. Uh, if you look, all the centurions, even the one at the cross, uh, there there's some good qualities in them. Uh, so they've got good leadership and good sense. And so it, that's amazing. In the Bible, centurions, uh, most of it is complimentary about uh, who they were and what they did. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Willie. Willie, welcome. Yes, sir. How you doing? Doing well. Let me cut my radio down, please. Yes, please do. Now, if everything is so pure and straight like y'all talking, when them, the pilot, whoever asked Jesus, who are you? What did he say? Okay, Willie. Uh, John chapter 8. Yeah, I think that's it. Go ahead, Alex. Well, um, Jesus said, you know, did you, Pilate goes, um, you know, I've heard of you, uh, the Son of God, and Jesus says, are you saying that because you believe it or because somebody else told it to you? That's essentially what he was saying. Jesus uh, was not denying that he was deity, but he was wanting to see if Pilate believed it or if he was merely repeating something somebody else had told him. Do you get that, Bert? I do. I really do, Willie. And again, uh, what you have in the Word of God is reporting about what God spoke. Like here in the book of Acts, notice what he said. Here's what God said uh, and brought to Peter. Here's what God said to Ananias. You know, go and baptize him. So, yes, and, and it's response. God said, and then man responds. We respond to God. We love him. Why, Alex? Not because it's in our nature. It's because he first, he loved, first loved us. And Indeed. so, Willie, thank you for calling. And let's go to Harold in Georgia. Welcome, Harold. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yes. What yes. part of Georgia are you from, Harold? I'm from Tifton, Georgia, and I'm currently riding down Interstate 75. Okay. Know where you are, brother. Be safe. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Here's my question. And I've been listening the last several days off and on because of work. <clears throat> But in Acts 2.38, where Peter answered the crowd when they said, what must they do to be saved? He said, arise and be baptized for your mission and your sins. Acts 8, the eunuch was immediately baptized when he told Stephen, here's what, what, what or what prevents me to be baptized. 
and then I think you'll probably get to it tomorrow in chapter 10 when the Holy Spirit rests on Cornelius and his household. Then Peter asked them, what, what is there to forbid these men from being baptized? And so my question to all that, uh, when you talked about Paul in Acts 9 and Acts 22, when he recounts that story, it's when Ananias says, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. So the question is, was Paul's sins forgiven before he was baptized, or did he have to go through the act of baptism? And I'll hang up and let y'all answer that, okay? Okay, Harold. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And like Alex said, be safe. Alex, uh, the forgiveness of God is through his forgiveness, not through a a a physical action on my part. You know, uh, I, I know when I got saved as a 12-year-old boy on a Tuesday night in August in a revival, listen, I tell you, God, you know, even a child 12 years old, the difference God made in my life of knowing I was forgiven and then two weeks later, I was baptized, and that was joyous, but I had already experienced the new birth and forgiveness before that all happened, and I think it's true in the New Testament as well. Yeah, um, baptism, water baptism is one of two ways that the New Testament uses the word baptize. Uh, Galatians 3 tells us that when we trust Christ, we're baptized into Christ. We're in Christ, immersed into Jesus. But then, of course, there is water baptism that is a public declaration. Um, and I want to be very clear, it is faith that, you know, when we exercise faith in Jesus, put our faith in Jesus, we're saved. Um, the impartation of God's forgiveness and Christ's righteousness happens at the moment you put your trust in Jesus. Uh, let me give you one verse. Uh, 1 John 5, 1 says that whoever believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, Bert, in no way am I minimizing the value of believer's baptism, public baptism, but, but it's not the water baptism that saves you. Now, that is something you do once you have been saved. One last thought in Acts 2, 38, Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, now, in the English Bible, it'll say, for the remission of sins. But really, in the Greek, it's upon the remission of sins. Yeah. So when you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are washed away. Now, upon that happening, then the first step of obedience for a brand-new believer is to identify with the local church through public baptism. But it, it wasn't the water baptism that saves. It illustrates the salvation that's already taken place through your faith. And that discipleship is important. It's the first step, one of the first steps in discipleship. Most of the time it is sharing with someone, go and tell Jesus to say, go and tell them what, what I've done for you several times. Sometimes he said, don't tell anyone because my time has not yet come. But yet here was Peter and John and, and Paul. After they got saved, got right, they were sharing the good news with others and many were baptized. Thank you, uh, Harold. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to Frank. Welcome, Frank. Hi, brothers. Uh, got a question to ask you. There was um, a lady called in. And you, 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 and Bert was uh, Bert and Alice was speaking about the uh, a book of Acts this past week, 
and uh, and so you wasn't sure about stuff about the local vax. Okay, got uh, you, Frank. Okay, I hope you can hear me. Alex, we were talking about where to find, you know, you need to make a movie of it. And yeah. then some people started helping us and calling in and said, hey, you've got some some of that. Franks, where 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 would he go to get that? Do you remember? Yeah, it was made. Somebody told us, and I really appreciate that. It was uh, made in 1994. It's called Acts, A-C-T-S, Acts of the Apostles. Now, I've not seen it yet. I, I want to. And uh, the famous actor Dean Jones is in it and a number of others, but they say it's really good. And, uh, I, you know, I'm inclined to believe it would be, but it's called Acts of the Apostles. Okay. Now, Frank, what that do, You'd pr- we don't have it available in our resource center. We've got a lot of things. By the way, if you want to see what we have, you can go to uh, resources.net. And you can find out a good bit, afa.net, you can find out a good bit about what we have. But you would have to look that up and try to find that. We don't have that available here. But we hope. I think it would help a lot of folks to put put some pictures to it. What is it? A picture's worth a thousand words. So oh, yeah. uh, that could do yeah. a lot of good. Thank you, Frank. Let's go to stay in Kentucky and talk to Steve. Welcome, Steve. Hey, hey, Bert. Yeah, um, that's one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts. In fact, I just listened to it the other day. And uh, Peter was amazed that the gospel was going to be shared with the Gentiles. And I'm amazed that the gospel is being shared with the Jews today. I'm a Messianic Jew. And someone shared with me. And I I believe that Jesus uh, is the Christ. He is Messiah. He's Lord and God. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you guys shared with me. <laughs> Amen, Steve. Amen. Hey, my one of my very best friends uh, is he calls himself a completed Jew, and uh, he is he's one of my best friends. And listen, uh, we you know they're talking about Jews. Listen, Jesus was a Jew, and that is the whole idea. And in the early church. Uh, the church exploded where? It, basically in the Jewish community, Alex. Uh, yeah. Have you noticed how many times the word says they multiplied, multiplied, multiplied? Uh, yeah. And when it gets into the Gentile territory, uh, the word multiplied is not used quite as much in the latter part of the book of Acts as it is in the first part of Acts because it was a ready-made audience. They believed mm-hmm. there was one God. They believed that he a Messiah was coming. Now, they was mixed up on a little bit of that about how he would come and what he would do. But then they had to say, listen, we know who that Messiah is. It is Jesus Christ. And mm. multiplication of, of the saints came to Christ. Steve, thank you for calling. Alex, you got anything to say, Steve? Well, um, everybody, you'll be blessed. And Steve, too. Marty Getz, and it's spelled G-O-E-T-Z, Marty Getz. Uh, he's done music for me when I've spoken at uh, the Billy Graham Center, but he's a born-again Jewish, incredible classical pianist and vocalist. He's got a song, and you ought to listen to it, called A Jew Born Anew. A Jew Born Anew by Marty Getz. And uh, it's incredible, it's humorous, it's poignant, it's just beautiful. And I would encourage you. And by the way, Bert, do you know my friend, Dr. Michael Brown, right. told me that there, there are probably as many 
Jewish born-again believers today as there were in the first century when the church first exploded. I mean, we're living in exciting times. God is moving around the world, and yes, praise the Lord, God is moving in the lives of precious Jewish people. He really is. Thank God for that. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Michael. Welcome, Michael. Hello, um, Dr. Alex, and uh, I am so grateful to talk to you again. I just wanted to make a quick comment on um, Acts 10, 4, and 31, where the angel said to Cornelius, your prayers have come up as a memorial before the Lord. And just um, if you can put some emphasis on the importance of work, because when you try to minister many times, uh, to unbelievers, you run into this. Somebody tells you, I'm a good person, I do this, and uh, I give, I don't hurt anybody. Just wanted you to put some more emphasis on this, uh, the importance of work, so that, you know, we all have to come before our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, Michael. Thank you. Yes. His prayers had come up before the Lord. He was a God-fearer. Let me set it up as a God-fearer. I already mentioned it, but I don't want to do it, and you take us out. This will be the last phone call of the day. We don't have time for another one. But he had already demonstrated, again, knowing that there was a God, and it was one God, and it was the Jewish God, and he was worshiping him. Therefore, his prayers went up. Now, it wasn't sacrifices. That was Judaism, and he was a God-fearer. But he had come to that point, and those prayers had come up as a memorial to him. God remembered them, and guess what? God responded to them by sending Peter. Isn't that how it happened? Amen. Amen. And you know, did you ever hear um, that gospel song that says, Jesus, hope of every nation? I have, yes. I mean, he really is. And do you know, folks, um, this is real. Uh, Jesus' coming was prophesied, his life and ministry— and his proof of his messiahship, incredibly documented. And of course, the greatest proof of all, that empty tomb. Jesus is real, but is he real in your life? He's as close by as a prayer. We encourage you to turn to him today. We really do. And tomorrow, we're going to continue in this chapter. And and, uh, we're going to see all that God did and is doing. And so we thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. And uh, we hope that God will bless you richly and uh, that you have a great evening. Alex, uh, tomorrow we're looking forward to what God is doing in the book of Acts, but we're also excited what God is doing in the world today, as you just said. So trust God, ask God to do a work and use you the way he used Peter, the way he used Ananias, that we could help others know him. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.